Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. I'm on my um, cup of, my pot of Genmaicha uh, green tea. Love that roasted nutty flavor of it. So, yeah, already did my, um, did a fair amount this morning so far. Did my first hour of writing. That's working out well to get that hour of writing done first. Um, I got about 900 words in that first hour. So that helped immensely. And feeling like, um, I guess I keep saying this, don't I? But I'm feeling like I'm uh, making my way into the story now. Like I'm getting the story itself to open up for me. <sighs> Settling into this armchair in the sun. It got pretty cool last night. Down to the low 20s. But I've got the uh, heater and the fountain so the birds won't go without their bubbling water. And there's some nice morning sun streaming in the south-facing windows here. Oh, this is a good place to sit. Jackson thinks so too. Huh? Here he is. He's come to get on my lap. Hello, Jackson, buddy. Would you like to be our podcast interview today? Special celebrity guest? Yep. He's our celebrity guest is very interested in the microphone cord. Shockingly enough. <laughs> He says he would rather chew on the microphone than uh, participate in an interview. Cats just don't do interviews. It's uh, too intrusive. Yeah. Now he's on the back of the armchair, happily in the sunshine. Yeah, that's a good spot. So I did that. I also uh, finally got up the video of me unboxing my author copies. Um, they didn't come for like a week after release day, which is unusual. I think that's just um, my first time with St. Martin's. With Kensington, I always got my author copies way before release day, with the exception of the fifth book, which, I don't know, they kind of punted on entirely. That's a whole other story, but it was really weird. I might as well tell you now, because sometimes, you know, we all know this, right? But sometimes the publishing industry is just freaking weird how they do stuff. So on that fifth book, and this was after the editor, my editor who had been, you know, who had bought the original trilogy and then bought those additional two books, Peter Senflebin, he had left Kensington, and I had been sort of handed over to this new editor. And, you know, when that happens, the new editor has come in and they've sort of received all of these in-process, almost-done projects that belong to other editors. And, you know, really, they don't care. They're supposed to care, but they don't. And especially one like that where, you know, fortunately, it had been entirely through the editing process, so I didn't have to count on her for that because she, I did three other books with her and she didn't ever give me any developmental edits on them. So I'm really glad I got to um, get at least that book through with Peter because Peter was really a terrific content editor. He still is. Um, I have him do freelance work for me. 
But um, so that book was, I'm pretty sure it was like completely in the can. This is The Edge of the Blade, which came after the Pages of the Mind. And the Pages of the Mind had done really well. I mean, had a beautiful cover. It got a lot of attention. It sold a lot of copies. It earned out really fast. It won the Rita Award. <laughs> Not that Kensington ever paid any attention to that. They just didn't care. It was weird. Um, I think they'd already, you know, with Peter leaving, I think they'd just written off the series, and which is another funny thing that publishers do. They're just like, eh, we don't, we're not thinking about this anymore. We'll put out this last book, but we're not going to do anything to sell it. So they gave me a December 26th deadline, or deadline, uh, release date, <laughs> the day after Christmas, right? And I had even talked to, there was this one bookstore in Tucson that had wanted me to come sign books, and I was going to be in Tucson for Christmas with family. And so I talked to this bookstore gal, and I said, well, okay, so the release date is December 26th. And she said, why? I'm like, I don't know. And she says, well, she said, I we could do something. She said, but that's just really a terrible day to try to sell books. You know, everybody's exchanging Christmas presents and hitting the, the deep sales and everything. She said, I just don't think we're going to get anything. And I agreed. I said, no, that's not going to make any sense. So I... um. And then I didn't get the author copies for that book. And, of course, New York Publishing closes down entirely from, like, Christmas to New Year's. So they did barely anything about the book's release before Christmas because also very little happens in New York Publishing between Thanksgiving and Christmas. (laughs) So... You know, they all went on holiday, you know, on something like, you know, a couple days before Christmas. And then they were gone until, um, like that year, it was like January 6th or something. You know, they just had the offices totally shut down. And when I asked about where were my author copies at least, or when they would come, they would say, oh, we'll send them in January. And I said, well, but the book comes out December 26th. And and my new editor, who was sort of responsible for talking to me about this book that she didn't care anything about, she said, oh, but that's a January book. And I said, but it releases in December. And she said, oh, no, no. I She says, it's here on our list. It's a January book. And I was like, well, it would have been really nice if you guys had actually released it in January but it wouldn't get lost in the Boxing Day rush where nobody's thinking about this book. So, I mean, that was just a frustrating process, and it really demonstrated that, you know, this happens occasionally. You know, when a publisher has decided that they just don't care about a series anymore, they just sort of, you know, I guess you're lucky that they go ahead and print the books, but then they just kind of print them and throw them out there and, uh, nothing happens. So, you know, fortunately, people uh, were looking forward to that book, to the next step in the series. Um, and, and there are people who really love Jeff's book. I love Jeff's book. I often wish that that book had gotten more attention than it did because she's my pansexual character and she's dark skinned and 
saucy. <laughs> um, but there are definitely people who love Jeff. One, one of my favorite stories is, it, it's sort of s- s- great and also a little bit, um, I don't know, cringeworthy is not the word I want. Anyway, one of my readers works at a bank and she had, and this guy came in, a meth head, came in and tried to rob the bank. And she was the bank manager, and she said that she decided to be like Jep, and she wasn't going to take this shit. And she shouted him out of her bank. She drove him out of there. <laughs> Which, you know, God, I'm glad that nothing bad happened to her. And I'm, I'm so thrilled that she took the example of this very ballsy character who takes no shit from anybody. Um, but how guilty would I have felt if that hadn't turned out well? But, you know, I mean, what can you do? I do feel like we we need heroes in life, and I'm really proud that one of my characters was a hero for her. So, how did I get off on? Oh, author copies. Yeah. So, otherwise, I, um, I got the Orchid Throne author copies like a week or so after release day. Um, I got them... I think they came late on a Friday, and then Saturday I had that signing down in Albuquerque with Jane Lenskold. And that was fun. We talked and signed books, and people asked good questions. And so then I got home, and because I was not schleppy writer, Jeffy, but actually um, cutely dressed, more or less makeup uh public author, Jeffy, <laughs> uh, David did a video of me unboxing it. But I made the critical mistake of he had his phone ready to go on its little stand so that he could do the video for me. And I should have had him use my phone because it just took forever to get him to get it off his phone and put it in Dropbox. And then Dropbox wasn't syncing. And by the time I got the video, you know, it kind of felt like the moment had passed. And I mean, it, it was just all silly. Whereas if I'd had him use my phone, I could have just like popped it on Instagram right away. Lesson learned. But so I put it up today because yesterday was the one month anniversary of the Orchid Thrones release. So I thought, well, that's a good way to show that. And then, <laughs> because apparently I've just, you know, Corrine has been busy. Assistant Corrine has been busy with guests. And we're just behind on quite a bit of businessy things. Um, I don't know, if, you know, maybe that was me being gone for a couple weekends or, well, for the one weekend. Anyway, I've sort of been behind on things. And after I put up this post, um, Jeremy Brett, who is awesome, and did my is my archivist. He commented right away, and he said, "Oh, I should order physical copies, one for me and one for the collection at Texas A and M, because they do archiving for a lot of science fiction and fantasy authors." And I send him stuff like my marked up galley proofs and various other things, so that they can have the archives of my every thought. <laughs> Uh, but as soon as he said that, I realized that I'd said in the video that people could get those books from me in the website form and that I would send them a signed copy and they would only have to pay for postage. 
and that we had never actually loaded the books into the website store. And right as I'm thinking that, Jeremy comments again, and he says, oh, but I don't see them in the store. Will you let me know when they're up? So I tried to ping Corrine, but she's off touring this, some cousin around. And so I thought, okay, time to be a good big girl, and I'll do this myself, add the physical copy to the website store. And then the website got messed up. And but they fixed it now, and the copies are on there. But there are only a few left. I've given more away than I thought. And so, if you do want a signed copy of Orchid Throne from me, only for postage, then you can go ahead and uh, order them. I will get more, but you'll have to actually pay for the copy because I'll have to pay for the copy, you know. Um, but there are other books on there, too, that you can get physical copies of the books and have me sign them and send them to you. There are many fun things on there. So, um, yeah, so it ended up being kind of a busy-ish morning that way. And I did make a note. I was thinking about something when I was running this morning that I wanted to mention. I think running's good time for discussion. Oh, look. <laughs> I set my coffee cup down on this coffee table. I don't often sit over on this chair when the sun's not on it. And, like, there's this dirty table knife sitting here. I wonder how long that's been there. It's the joys of household things. I am the one who does the dishes and cleaning. So, that that's... I don't know. You know, undoubtedly David put it there, <laughs> but whatever. So let's see. What was that? Oh yeah, that's right. Um, so two things. I um, apologize for Tuesday. There was apparently some background noise interference. My mom said something to me about it, and I'm really sorry because um, that was a good podcast where I talked about substantive things instead of rambling on about my usual uh, things like dirty table knives. Uh, <laughs> but um, so it was because I had that new phone case and my I use a, um, a Movo microphone in the phone jack to record this and... Um, the new phone case kept the jack from completely seating against that input. And I didn't realize, I mean, I, I talked about it midway through the podcast that it was like sticking out and it didn't seem to be connecting right. And my mom said after I adjusted it, it was better and there was less interference. But um, so what I did was I took that phone case off. guess that phone case is um, a a wash at this point. Anyone want to buy a phone case for an LG V30? It's pre-owned by an amazing author. <laughs> uh, so I put my old cracked phone case back on here. I'll have to find a new one. But so now, you know, right, lesson learned. That's something to check for. Uh, always, you know, that all of these little tech things, right? It's like technology really makes our lives better, but then there's also all these little things that you have to check for, and so many ways things can go wrong. So then the other thing I was thinking about this morning while I was running 
was I was listening to Ed Sheeran's song, Eraser. I really like that song, and I identify with it in some ways, although Ed Sheeran is obviously far more successful than I am. But some of the things he talks about in that song, you know, especially when he says, um, no one wants to see you down in the dumps because you're living your dream and it should be fun. And I think that that's really poignant because, you know, living life as a creative um, is living the dream and it should be fun. And yet there are still things that go wrong and that are disheartening and you're still subject to all of the human feelings that, you know, it's just so true. You know, like we talk about that you can't run away from your problems, you know, that you can have money or, you know, do all of these things. But if you haven't dealt with your internal problems, they just, you know, chase you wherever you go. And, you know, we can look at the lives of celebrities or look at the lives of people who are living their dreams or living our dreams and and be envious of that and say, wow, I really want to have that life. You know, I wish I was playing to 240,000 crowd stadiums and I wish I had Ed Sheeran's money. I wish I had Ed Sheeran's money. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't, it doesn't buy happiness, right? It doesn't solve your problems and you could still be in the dumps. But I was listening to that song and some of the things that he says in it as I was running and I was wondering now that he's married to Cherry if he is happier and and how that's affected him. And I was thinking, you know, I, haven't, I didn't like the songs that he put out on that uh, collaboration album so much. None of them really stuck with me. And I thought, oh, is he too happy? <laughs> and I realized I'd fallen into that fallacy, which is so pervasive that you somehow must be unhappy in order to create interesting art. And I saw Pink even say that in an interview with Oprah because she was talking about how she'd nearly gotten divorced from Carrie and, you know, all of this and how she'd written all these songs about it. And I love a lot of the songs she's written about it. They're great songs. And Oprah asked her if she was happy now, now that they've reconciled and she has the kids. And and Pink said, well, I'm never totally happy. She said, there's always things. And she said, but that's good though, because otherwise I wouldn't have anything to write songs about. And and it struck me at the time because I was thinking, is that true? You know, there, there is this idea that art arises only from misery. And also that the best art is only about misery, you know, that it's only um, trauma and drama that make for uh, true art, you know, and that things like romance and joy are not interesting emotions. So I was just thinking about those things. I'm not sure what I think about it. I am personally blessed with happy chemistry. So I I tend to be generally happy and joyful as a default resting state. I also make a lot of choices to ensure happiness or I make choices in favor of happiness that other people can regard as being selfish choices. Um, You know, people will sometimes say, oh, but you have to do things this way. And I'll say, no, I don't want to do them that way because it won't make me happy. 
And that's sometimes boggling to people because they'll come back with, but, but you have to do things that way. And it's like, no, no, we can, we can choose happiness. Choosing happiness is um, sometimes a difficult, it's sometimes the more difficult choice to make because um, what makes us individually happy is not what is best for society or the people around us. And we are often expected to give up our personal happiness in favor of the collective. And sometimes we do, you know, sometimes that's, we make the choice that that's where our value is. But I make a lot of choices to, to be happy, to what will promote my greatest peace of mind. So with that note, I will sign off. It's, um, oh, I never said what day it is, did I? Oops, sorry. Well, it's, um, it's Friday, October 25th. There you are then. <laughs> but it's it's a lovely Friday with the weekend ahead. I hope you all get to do something to choose happiness this weekend. Choose something that just makes you happy. And it doesn't matter if it makes anyone else happy. I think that's a valid thing to do. So thank you for being here with me. Uh, first cup of coffee. Ah. <laughs> first cup of coffee as part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media/podcasts. I know that I'll be listening to some this weekend, and I will talk to you all on Monday. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>